0: Irreverent. Entertaining. Cool. You're listening to L.A. Talk Radio.
1: friends. He says
2: Well, L.A. Talk Radio, this is Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Tucci. Welcome back to another Sunday night with Max and Friends. Not only here on L.A. Talk Radio, but on all podcasting platforms, I welcome you to Max and Friends. Welcome to my table. You know, my grandfather, Oscar Tucci, was known for saying all are welcome at my table. Not only all are welcome at my table, but Oscar, he was a wonderful, glorious man. I never met him. But in my book, The Delmonico Way, which I'm on book tour right now, and I'm so grateful to be on this tour, I write at the beginning of the book, at Oscars Delmonico, I serve hundreds of lunches daily and grand galas and dinners. It is my aim to please my loyal clientele and give them the highest quality food prepared in an appetizing manner, in an elegant atmosphere. All are welcome at my table. And my dear grandfather wrote that in December of 1953. So when we journey back to the days, the days of Delmonico's past, where Oscar Tucci, my grandfather, Mario Tucci, my father, my Aunt Mary, were all at the really the the welcoming double doors of Delmonico's down on Beaver and South William Street. And they would open the doors and say, All are welcome at our table. I welcome you tonight to a new episode, to a new program, to a new journey, because we're going to be doing here on Max and Friends Sunday suppers on Max and Friends. Sunday suppers is something that I adore. I know my guest tonight who will be with us in just a moment, the divine Jennifer English, will be here to talk about Sunday suppers and what do they mean to her, what do they mean to me, what do they mean to our guests? And so with our guests, we have this beautiful journey that we can really sit back, relax, enjoy, and talk to you about what Sunday Supper means, about the glories, about the joys of the day, about the sorrows, about the highs and the lows. My dear friend, Emily Proctor, I love Emily Proctor. She writes me and says, Max, I want to play a game. This is many years ago. She goes, let's play a game. And the game is called High and lows. And so when we all gathered one night at a table, she said, let's play highs and lows. What were your highs of the days? What were your lows of the days? And I would say, oh gosh, this and this, and my highs are, and right now tonight at my table here with Sunday suppers, and Jennifer is going to be with, her, with us in just a moment, my highs are, I'm on this book tour. I'm able to meet you all in person, to welcome you to my heart, to my table, to the pages of the Delmonica way. To teach you and show you how to set a table, how to serve, how to be a guest, how to be a host. And most importantly, how to validate, how to say, I hear you, I see you, and you matter. You know, those were words that my grandfather and my father taught me. My grandfather taught my father, and then my father taught me because the joys of, of really uh, the pages of these, this book, The Delmonico Way, since I never met my grandfather, I was able to interview so many people that knew him. The great Lelo Arpaia, who joined me at the Rizzoli bookstore the other evening, Pamela Fiori was the moderator, and he was in the room, and I saw him. And when we were talking about Delmonico's past, I just knew I had to honor Lelo Arpaia, and so I welcomed him to the stage, and I said, Tell us about your story, about what it is that you learned from Oscar Tucci, from Mario Tucci, from Mary Tucci, from Delmonico's, and he shared so many beautiful, wonderful stories, and in that moment, there was that validation and as the night went on, there were so many wonderful questions, one in particular was, How do we bring glamour back? And I quoted the divine. Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou once said, when you learn, teach. It's our obligation to teach the future about glamour. It's our obligation to teach about hospitality. It's our obligation to teach them about welcoming all to the table. So tonight, without any further ado, I'm going to invite Jennifer English to my table, to my new Sunday suppers. Once a month here on Max and Friends, we're going to be doing Sunday suppers. Now, Carla Hall might join us. Chef Amy Simpson might join us. Chef Katie might join us. Marissa May might join us. Whoever the guest may be, it will be a guest of honor. We'll have a chair ready for them to join us, to sit down, to have the conversations of what is the future of food and hospitality, and what is our role in the future of food and hospitality. Our role is bigger than just the Delmonico Way, sublime, and Entertaining and legendary recipes from the restaurant that made New York. Our role is to validate, to be that exquisite guest and also the consummate host. So Jennifer English tonight here on Max and Friends, welcome to our first Sunday supper.
0: Well, hello, I absolutely love that I'm your first guest for Sunday
2: suppers. This is a wonderful honor. Thank you so very much. Well, I'm glad that we have a chair ready for you at the table. We've had wonderful Max and friends over this. Can you believe 2022 is coming to an end? <laughs> and all the conversation we've had this year on, on just the, the joy of the hospitality industry and what it means. So thank you for, for winding down the year with me. Isn't this like, I love saying 2022. It's like the old Barbara Walters 2020. <laughs> and I love just being able to reminisce about the past and also to think about the future. And what I love about you, Jennifer, when you come to the table, you come ready to talk about the past. You know, we have to look back to move forward. And I was at the UN recently where there was this wonderful conversation just about looking back to move forward. And what does it mean in advertising? And then I said, like you say, let's take it one step forward. Let's take it one step forward. Let's look back so that we can take it forward. And how can we take forward the hospitality industry and all that we were learned and all that we were taught from the greats like Oscar Tucci, Ciro Maccioni, Tony May. What did they teach us that we can then go forth and teach to those that will be taking over this industry? I mean, it's a single word. It's service. service. We are
0: in service. We are to be in service. So the word
2: The word service, I I have to ask you, what does the word service mean to you, Jennifer English? It's just a total and
0: utter privilege. Mm. When you were saying before that it's our role, it's our duty, it's how we've been, uh, I just kept thinking to myself, I don't know about you, but my God, what a privilege it is to be called to be in service in a way that is so profound and so personal and so delicious and so universal th- there really is almost no other aspect of life mm. that that brings us together from all over the world and yeah. you know to me when you and i talk you are always teaching me but you're always reminding me of things and one of the things that I brought to the table today from my heart is the words of James Beer, the father of American gastronomy. Food is our common ground. It's a universal experience. Now, to me, there is no more substantial privilege than to be able to do anything in service to our industry, to our peers, to our colleagues, to hosts, to guests. And part of the challenge we're facing right now is that, you know, we've got to help people remember what that means. Mm-hmm. So you ask the question, what does it mean to be of service and be in service? And we used to know ourselves as a service industry, and and we get all caught up in celebrated chefs because... We've had some extraordinarily talented people take us into the future.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and I, I wholeheartedly agree that the future of food and hospitality, whether you call it food 3.0 or just merely the future of food, and I talk about this a lot and I love talking about this with you, there are so many rich lessons that we have to, must bring with us moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, things that people like Oscar Tucci, um, Sergio Macioni uh, some of the legendary restaurateurs of today, some of the some of the people who were defining the future food, people like Irene Lee from from yes. Maine, in Boston. Uh, it, it, there are extraordinary people doing remarkable things to get us there and to take us there. So uh, they demonstrate. <laughs> They show us what service looks like. They show us what leadership looks like. They show us what the future looks like. To me, all of these things are where I think we're going to have an awful lot of fun on Sundays when we get together for Sunday
2: suppers. I love the Sunday suppers. You know, I want to look back real quick because when I'm reading the pages of the Delmonica Way, you know, I I love the whole concept that the UN had the other night was looking back to move forward. And there's a section in the book where we call them the Delmonico ways, and they're these little royal hand pointing to something that stuck out to my story, to my editor, where he said, you know, this is something so special that we have to highlight it. And speaking of service, and what did service mean to Oscar Tucci and to Mario Tucci? Mm-hmm. And so there's a little pull quote right above a beautiful Donald Robertson drawing of Gypsy Road Lee on top of the table at Delmonico's. And we, I write. Limousines and yachts, the old saying location is everything in New York City real estate rings true for restaurants as well as residents. Wall Street became a ghost town after the stock exchange closing Bell. As a concerned effort was made to keep dinner at Delmonico's as busy as lunch when more than a thousand people were served. In the 1960s, Mario, my father, enrolled his driver in limousine to chauffeur guests between the Upper East Side and Midtown and the restaurant's downtown location. This ingenious idea became the talk of the town. Weekend dinner reservations surged. Oscar's nephew, Renato Beneforti, a fellow restaurateur, recalled that Mario learned early to attract celebrities by comping their meals. He would offer, come dine at the Monaco's, my treat. I will send the limousine to collect you. The concept was so successful that Mario not only increased the numbers of cars in his fleet, but also added his private yacht, the Firebird, to the transportation options. On board, guests dined on caviar, oysters Rockefeller like in page 128, shrimp cocktail on page 186, and lobster Newberg on page 164 and many more of Delmonico's famous dishes as the voyage down the Hudson River and around the Statue of Liberty and the New York Harbor. That, Jennifer English, is service. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, no, completely. But help me understand something, because this is a legacy that is legendary and legend. And I'm I'm keen to understand when we talk about the delmonica way
1: mm-hmm. and
0: the idea of of important intention as it relates to guests and and being good hosts and cultivating conviviality i mean in, in the thing you just read I, I there are i don't know 20 20 points i, I want to run back and talk about we could sit <laughs> here literally all night i have to mention you don't do a thousand covers at lunchtime by yourself. Right. The platoon of people engaged in this service, all walking and all marching and all singing in you know the same tune and marching in the same direction, that had to have been something. I mean, think about it for a second. A thousand covers at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. What must that incredible physical space have been like? The bustle of the kitchen, the clattering of the pots and the pans, uh, the incredible volume of food, the quality of the food. If you begin to understand what that really means, the efforts that went into this,
2: the sourcing of the ingredients. And you know, the sourcing, the sourcing of the ingredients we're going to talk about when we come back. We're going to take a quick break here (laughs) at Max and Friends, and we're going to talk about the Staten Island farms that brought the food, that my grandfather selected the food at and brought to the restaurant from Staten Island to Bridgeport, Connecticut. Right now on Max and Friends, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be right back with my guest at Sunday Supper's, Jennifer England. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's time. You can be free with me on LA Talk Radio and Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Suchi. Tonight, we're doing a new episode, Sunday Suppers. My first guest, Jennifer English. Fifteen years, I'm going to be here on Max and Friends this May. And this is just something that feels right. You know, Jennifer, we were talking about food before we played that lovely break. And I did a wonderful interview with Sharp Middle East Magazine. And a beautiful young lady, Meredith, who was at the um, Rizzoli Book Signing she said, Max, I have to do a story on you. And she titled the story, Setting the Standard, The Delmonica Way with Max Tucci by Meredith Leon McCormick. And when she asked me about food, I said to her, you know, it was, it was a great moment of pause where I really had to think about the question." And the question was, why do you think food is such a big part of cultural expression? And I answered her, and it's in this month's um, Sharp Middle East magazine. I said, food is a big part of cultural expression because it celebrates the world. It is also a reflection of our ancestors. Our ancestors figured it out. Depending on where they lived, they were in touch with nature and the gifts of each region. Our ancestors understood seasons and what nature produced during each of them. The expression of food is a reflection of our past, and we are responsible for celebrating them and what they created. We then become the future of food, as each culture has its creations of culinary cuisine. How we experience food is how we experience life. What does food mean to you, Jennifer English? It's a really
0: interesting question, and in its simplicity, we could, again, talk for hours and hours. During COVID, I had the chance to talk to people that would have normally been really busy, and we all stopped and had time to pause and reflect and think and contemplate and actually let our minds wander and really focus on the things that we actually believe, what's important, and when it pertains to food. Some of the really most profound ideas that emerged from that contemplation on my part came back to these really big ideas that allow food to unite us, which is essentially that the food that we eat, the food that is made for us, the food that we make for ourselves, the food that we make for others and share with others, the food that we share together, is made with intentions, Mm And it's made with the energy of the moment, of the person we are, of the intentions and emotions and energy that we have that we're sharing with that incredible guest or ourselves, even. Yeah. The idea that the food that we eat becomes the cells of our body, that the energy of the food that we eat becomes the energy of our exercise. That the energy of our food becomes the work we make, the art we make. I've said this before, I know I've said it with you, so bear with me. I'm going to repeat myself. Food is the only one of the capital F fine arts that we experience with all five of your senses. Uh-huh. Food is one of the only things that becomes our future. The food I eat today becomes the cells of my body and the energy with which I make the work and the love and the intention that I do everything else that I do next. To me, it's, it's, it's the force of life. It's the, it's the beautiful force of life. When we start with that as an idea, you know, when we just had Thanksgiving, food becomes something very, very important to us the Thanksgiving table becomes an edible ofrenda. We have dishes that we continue to make even though our grandfather or grandmother or auntie or cousin are long gone. Because Uncle Bill loved these green beans, we still make those green beans for him. Why do we do this?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Because when we share these bites of food with the intention of that person being with us that person stays alive with us yes how we stay alive it's the way that oscar tucci and mario tucci and aunt mary and and the ghosts of a thousand servers and cooks and farmers and fishermen that were at that lunch whichever lunch that was when you had a thousand covers at dalmonico's they are alive right this minute the conviviality that they conjured and cultivated through the exquisite choice of ingredients, through the orchestration of the energy that went into every dish and every detail and every song and every paint chip and every color and every napkin fold and every intention of every aspect of that became the energy that lives on in us You are you today And somewhere in your DNA Is the DNA Of the intention Of connection, conviviality So when people say You know, food I cook and prepare For Thanksgiving and it's like five days worth Of cooking and shopping and everything And you know, then we eat the meal in 20 minutes And then it's over No, my darlings The meal, every meal Like all great works of art lives on through us. We become what that meal had to give us, and we give that in turn to someone else. And so when we talk about this, I think this is a really big idea that that when we say food is life, I mean, of course, it gives us energy and it keeps us going. And if you don't eat and you don't drink water, you'll die. But that's only the half of it the really juicy half of it is it is loaded with respect and intention and love and connection and art and science and everything. Uh, So I know that was kind of a thousand word answer. And I love it.
2: You know, food it's interesting because when I think of food, I think of not only Oscar Tucci, but I also think of my mother's family. You know, and I love the richness of Oscar's life that he brought to America from Florence, Italy, and that he brought that Tucci touch, that Delmonica way to the industry. And then I think about my mother and my mother's journey from leaving Lithuania, fleeing Lithuania in 1943 with my grandparents. And they lived in DP camps, displaced person camps, and had no journey for five years. And when they came to America... My grandmother brought with her the traditions of food from Lithuania. So when I think of food, I think, you know, the, the, I love the song from Oliver. Food, glorious food, right? And then I think of growing up, my Lithuanian grandmother always made her famous potato pancakes, <gasps> right? And she would top them with rukštapiana, sour cream in Lithuanian. Now, of course... They didn't have caviar in DP camps, But it was that extra touch that my grandmother loved to serve me. And they were allowed to. And being they were, because of so many efforts to flee Lithuania and create a new life in America, they were able to afford the caviar. So it was a special treat that she would, you know, put on her potato pancakes
0: and her blintz okay, recipe. Okay, so let, me, so, let me ask, so let me ask you this. Uh, my grandmother uh, came her family came from Poland and she would make the potato pancakes and, and she would use a box grater and she'd grate the potatoes.
2: Yeah.
0: And, and I can, I can see your Lithuanian grandmother grating on the box grater of the potatoes mm-hmm. and the sort of universality of, I don't want to call it the chore, but the time and the effort that they use to make, because that's the right way to make potato pancakes
2: right even if you even if you nick your finger <laughs> right,
0: right. so, so but, but hear me out i mean there are other ways you could do that perhaps but they're not going to be the right way and so right. what do we learn from our grandmothers when you tell that story and i can instantly see in her kitchen the same as in my grandmother's kitchen or anybody's kitchen like that's the way to do this and what is it that the that the act, the chore, if you will, I hate to use that word because it's not a chore. It's such a, it's such a gift of love. Right. Your, your grandmother, my grandmother, they made these things for us with love because they were so delicious. It's a cookie. It's your birthday cake. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what you ate. You know birthdays when you would go as a kid to Delmonico's, but talk to me. like, What does Sunday supper look like and why does it mean something to us? Why when we talked about doing Sunday suppers together do you instantly go, oh, oh my god, yes, yes, let's do this. It feels right.
2: Because here's why, Jennifer. You know, my grandfather Oscar did it and my grandmother Severina did it. They did their work. They did work because they knew the end result was going to be something that nourished not only our soul and our stomach, but it put a smile on our face and it created memories and moments, right? So the intention to grate that potato was not just to grate the potato to serve the potato pancake. It was to teach the lessons of the past, to show the work that they had to do to be able to create these meals. We have to put our love and intention into it. And if we want a quick and cheap, easy meal, then we become that quick, cheap, easy person. So instead, they gave us meals that took time to prepare because it was made out of love. And so for me, it's about that moment where we create food to create memories. And Oscar, you know, before we took a little break, we were talking about the farms. Oscar would drive to Staten Island, he would drive to Bridgeport, Connecticut, he knew the purveyors. He knew the quality he was going to get. And he would hand select with my, my, my beautiful uncle Gigi. They would hand select the food that they were going to serve. And now we spoke about a thousand lunches a day. Yeah. L- Lalo Arpaia, who's the fame Donatella Arpaya, who just opened a new restaurant in Miami. He worked at Delmonico's. He was there the evening of the Delmonico way. And I brought him to the stage and I said to him, tell me the story you told me about my aunt Mary Tucci. And if we can, just for a moment, we're going to take a quick break in just a minute. But let's just revisit that moment that Lalo shared with us, Jennifer. And in that moment, he said, he literally transported me back to Delmonico's. And he said, Max, your Aunt Mary had eyes in the back of her head. She knew everything that was happening in the restaurant. He goes, it was one of the busiest days ever. A thousand covers. And people were bustling around. And the waitstaff remembered the kitchen was in the basement. And he goes, and I had a tray filled with dishes, dirty dishes, and I'm bussing them downstairs. And he goes, and I've got all this genori on my tray, holding it above my head. <laughs> if you picture, hello, Dolly. And he goes, and my heel catches the step of the stair, and I slide down the stairs into the basement, and there's Mary Tucci standing at the foot of the stair. She looks at me holding the tray, he said, and not one dish fell. And she looked at me and said, nice job. You didn't break the Genori." <laughs> and so in that moment, he said, I learned so much from Mary that excellence is something that I taught Donatella. And Donatella, I raised to run a restaurant like Mary Tucci. Now, how beautiful is that story?
0: Well, it's a wonderful tribute. But, and I want to make sure that everybody understands. We need to pay attention to the extraordinary women who have played an important role in our industry. And there is so much healing. And then there's so much that we need to remedy because there are great women who, for whatever reason, have been waiting for their chance. And I think we have got to do everything we can to remedy the fact that just 5 to 7% of women in, in leadership in the hospitality industry is a number that that is just not acceptable. I want to it's talk not, about that. Well, it's not reflective of who we are in the industry either.
2: And we're going to talk about that in just a moment because right now on Max and Friends, we're going to take a quick break. So go grab yourself a nightcap, go pour yourself some tea, have a glass of water, and think of me. We'll be right back on Max and Friends. Talk Radio. This is Max and Friends. You're listening to our Sunday Supper with Jennifer English, my guest tonight. Before we went to that quick break, we were talking about women in the industry, the femininity, the feminine energy. You know, Jennifer, and we write about in the book, The Delmonica Way, which you can get right now on (laughs) Rizzoli.com or you can find wherever you purchase your books. I was at a local bookstore today, the Oblong Bookstore in Hudson, New York, in, in, I'm sorry, Rhinebeck, New York was so much fun. We signed a bunch of books today. But we talked about the power lunch, Jennifer. And the term power lunch was coined by Esquire editor-in-chief Lee Eisenberg in a 1979 article about the then new lunch scene at the Four Seasons in Midtown. But a century prior, a century prior, when we go back to 1868, Jane Cunningham Crowley, founder of the Cirrhosis Club, a philanthropic women's club, arranged for the club members to lunch at Delmonico's on April 20th, 1868, resulting in the first woman's power lunch. Wow. Okay. So it wasn't a cakewalk after that for women. You know, it's not like, oh, the next day all the restaurants open to, to allow women to dine unaccompanied by men. That's what it really happened. It was the first time women were allowed to dine unaccompanied by men. And what I love is that many, many years later, at Delmonico's, power lunches have been served at Delmonico's ever since. Now Delmonico's is naturally closed. Pandemic uh, really destroyed the industry in whole. But without digressing, Delmonico's is closed since March of 2020. So why is this book important? Because it brings that Delmonico way into your home. But power lunches, since they were served at Delmonico's, on April 20th, okay, so let's go back April 20th, 1868, to April 20th, 1955, 87 years after the first woman luncheon at Delmonico's, Mrs. John Mayers, chairman of women's division of the March and Dimes, organized a special benefit art exhibit and auction at my grandfather's restaurant. Many years later, Delmonico staged a weekend-long special 150th anniversary and chef Gabrielle Hamilton featured turned beef bouillon, malakoff's salad, soft-shell crabs, asparagus, and brûléed rice pudding. Now, why is this important? Because like you said, Jennifer, the feminine energy is such a beautiful energy. And we must celebrate it. And, you know, when I was at the UN, we were talking about women in advertising. And I was thinking about women in the restaurant industry and how Mary Tucci, my aunt, was the first woman to be the financial powerhouse in a restaurant. And then her best friend Fedora, who owned Fedoras in the West Village. Now, if we look at Fedora's uh, career, and we'll talk about this for just a moment. Fedora Dorado, you know, every time we say their name, their energy surrounds us. Fedora Dorado was a beautiful friend to my aunt, best friend to my aunt. She was an aunt to me. And growing up, we used to go to Fedora's in this townhouse in New York that she owned. And in the garden level, she had this really spectacular little joint. You would walk down these stairs, a red light glowed. And it was like in the heart of gay America, right? In the West Village. And why is that important? Because when the AIDS pandemic broke out, Fedora would feed, hand feed her friends who were dying of AIDS without any fear. She would sit in that restaurant. All are welcome at my table. She would sit there. I could weep. And she would feed those dying. When people were scared to eat off of forks and knives during that period. I remember a story where my Aunt Mary said someone came to the restaurant bringing their own cutlery because they were scared. They would go to Fedora's and bring their own cutlery because they knew that Fedora was feeding patients with HIV AIDS. And Fedora had no fear in feeding them. And in those moments when those men were dying, she fed them love and let's just take that moment and breathe that in to see this beautiful woman who helped so many people in their last moments feel validated. I see you. I hear you. And you matter. That you is ask, the demonical way. You ask, yeah, you ask what food means. Right. <laughs> and not only is that the Delmonico way, but that is hospitality. That is service. When no okay. one else will feed you, Be the person that does. All right. I have a really hard question. Okay. And. (sighs) Fedora
0: was a great host. Mm -hmm. My friend Carlotta Flores has owned and operated El Charo for 50 years. Her aunt, Tia Monica owned the same restaurant for 50 years. This year they've celebrated the 100th anniversary Two extraordinary women, two legendary hosts. I think of people like Mrs. Leah Chase. I want to talk about these incredible hosts. When Mrs. Chase would describe how things were done in her restaurant, she wouldn't say, well, in my restaurant, this is how we do things. She would say, well, in my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> When we talk about what it means to be a great host, what it means to make hospitality, and hospitality, of course, gives the moment in time and place for things to happen that then sort of percolate into conviviality, right? right? that joy of sharing all this together. But come back for a minute. One of my grave concerns is that we are forgetting how to be a good guest. Mm. Because there are so few times where we are invited to, allowed to, encouraged to, rewarded for being a good guest, a great guest. And if you don't have a guest, how can you be a host? Mm without a guest are you in fact a host or are you a fast food restaurant if you don't have the intention because you don't have a guest you just you just have a transaction i know this is a really painful thing to talk about have have we or are we running the risk of transactionalizing food in a way that erases the notion of host and guest Mm. and and why then and and i'm 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 out on my limb here uh, why (laughs) i think it's so important to look at examples that exist today as well as examples that existed before about being a really great host because that is part of the energy of the energetic soulful spiritual energetic nourishment that we okay. get from meals why are we having so many problems why are we having weight problems well it's not just that we're not exercising i, I want to go into i think there is something about the fact that that what we're consuming doesn't have the same satisfaction of nourishment that we need that that on some soulful level we're
2: yeah. just we're, we're sort of starving. You know what we're, we're doing? Slowly. Jennifer, we're consuming chaos. And in that energy of chaos, dis-ease happens, right? Mm-hmm. So in those moments, that's why I love when I go to my house in Florence, Italy, and I have lunch or dinner in Italy. Because we consume patience, pause, peace, conversation. It's not quick, eat, go. It's be still and know. Mm-hmm. And I think, really, in that difference of how can we be a great guest is by being present and not rushing. Sunday suppers here on Max and Friends is that moment where we can sit, be still, and know. And we all come to the table to contribute instead of. Consuming chaos, right? And so, so literally, you know
0: what's on the menu every Sunday supper.
2: <laughs>
0: I see you. I hear you. You matter. The you Validation matter. and the intention,
2: right? Right. This all this, are welcome at my table,
0: right? And just <laughs> nourishing this yeah. really nourishing intention, this really nourishing energy, and so how it comes to life in an edible and sippable form takes on extra meaning, right? And so I I want to ask you what did Sunday supper look like in your world growing up? And what does it look like today and what do you hope Sunday supper looks like when we come together every month?
2: I love these questions and I was you know, we're on the same frequency right now, Jennifer, because I was going to say we have to give the listeners some homework, right? So Tweet me at Max Tucci, Instagram me at Max Tucci, hashtag the Delmonica way. I want to know what your Sunday suppers look like, looked like, and will look like. Jennifer, for me, it was an interesting um, childhood. Growing up Tucci meant growing up Delmonico's. And with that, enjoying every single item that was on the menu. Um, so Sunday suppers were family, mm-hmm. friends, friendship, laughter, food fun. We had a beautiful home in Greenwich, Connecticut on the Long Island Sound. And my, gr- my father would go play golf at the Westchester Country Club and he would come back. The table would be set to the nines with the Janori, the Baccarat, the Christoffel, everything that was used at Delmonico's. And I remember my mother would also dress us impeccably, impeccably. And even the dog would have a bow. (laughs) The dog and the cat had a satin bow. Benjamin would have a satin bow and Tweety would have a bow. And we dressed for the occasion. And the staff, the food, it was literally, it it was Auntie May mixed with the greatest showman, my Sunday suppers. And they didn't last long. My father died when I was eight years old. But it was if he knew that he was going to die because he made every meal a Sunday supper.
0: Okay, so here's what I'm going to express as my intention as we sort of—I'm smelling—I'm smelling the countdown to the end of our time here. Mm-hmm. I want to put it out there that this moment that you and I are sharing with our friends—what it means to be a good host, what it means to be a good guest this will be our guest and host workshop so to speak Mm -hmm. like a lab where we get to try things out we're going to experiment but most importantly I'm going to put the intention out that this is going to become a thing that people will hear about this and say hey I want to have a Sunday supper with my family I want to have a Sunday supper with my family of friends I want to have a Sunday supper you know with my chosen family for those of us in the In the LGBTQ community, oftentimes we find that our family is made up of our family of friends, our chosen families. And for all of us, for any of us and all of us, that Sunday supper becomes a thing. But people start having Sunday suppers again Uh with
2: the intention intention. of welcoming all at our table. Well, you know, let's let's take it one step further. The intention also has to be, how am I setting the table? Right? So if we have this beautiful painting, and what I love about artists is that each artist is different, but the end result is the work, right? So how are we setting the table? Set the table with intentions. How are we setting the atmosphere? And I want to talk about the table real quick because we have just a couple of minutes. And I'm going to ask you a question. And the question is, what is your favorite table extra that extra thing you place on the table to make it jennifer english perfect
0: oh you're gonna yeah but you know that this is again this is like two hours of conversation (laughs) i have i have my fork my my knife and my spoon and i have a favorite glass and i have probably four favorite glasses depending on what it is i'm gonna sip i have two favorite cups for my coffee in the morning i use the same kind of I have these beautiful, simple white, and I love white plates. I love Chinori, don't get me wrong, and I, I have a few choice pieces. And maybe the good folks at Genori will, will remind me why just using white. But I have some beautiful uh, Wedgwood white, just modern, and, and I have some vintage warm uh, Johnson
2: Brothers, again, it, it's done with... So if I'm coming to twice. Jennifer English's house for dinner, what's came, one thing exactly. you're going to put on the table for me? Uh,
0: you know what I'm going to make for you the first time we're together? I'm going to make one of the, the foods that is, it means something to me, okay? Mm-hmm. There are a couple of foods that I make regularly and and I'm from Boston and I I turn to the sea and I turn to the season And the foods that I make, the foods that I make for my own son, the foods that I make for the people that I love, are are foods that people made for me, okay? Yeah. And so I'm likely to make you an absolutely beautiful – you're going to laugh when I tell you this. I have three or four favorite things that I make for people. I make beautiful baked cod. I do a turkey dinner that's stunning, And I know that was just Thanksgiving, so nobody wants a turkey. I would serve turkey dinner. In fact, I actually do. I serve turkey dinner probably once a month. But I also I turn to the seafood again. I sear scallops and I make lobster rolls. And and lobster rolls have their provenance in 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 uh, in Macro Cove, and. Just outside of Prince's Point, just outside of Brunswick in Maine.
2: You're making my mouth water. And with that, the illusion of time is creeping up on us, Jennifer. We can't talk about food with two minutes left because now no, my But then, I gotta, but then you got
0: to let me finish. And then I'm going to make us a pie. i got to
2: wrap the show. <laughs> I make really good pie. I make really delicious pie. And I, I think pie it. is a
0: wonderful thing for dessert.
2: So here's what I would make for you on what that extra thing I'm going to put on the table. I have in the book a chipped beef with poached eggs recipe. And it's from my friend, Chef Kyle Mendenhall, who's going to join us on Sunday suppers. Right? He inherited this recipe for chipped beef from his great-grandmother, Marie, that dates back to 1911. And at an Oscar's Del menu dated April 28th, 1942, it featured Oscar's version of chipped beef with poached eggs. The recipe combines both of those with a few modern updates. And what I would put on the table, if Jennifer English were coming to my Sunday supper tonight, is one of my favorite extras, the demonical way. So part of the joy of this dish is the way the eggs are poached. But then when you have a beautiful poached egg, what do you have? A beautiful yolk. And that also means you have the risk Of dirtying your tablecloth.
0: Oh, I'm going to interrupt you for a second because as you're saying this, you know what I'm imagining? I'm imagining having real, live Sunday suppers all over the country, wherever we go, wherever we are, and actually inviting people to be with us. It's Mm -hmm. not an idea. This isn't just some fantasy. This is an idea that isn't just an idea. This has got to become actionable, and we've got to bring people didn't know that such a thing existed, and we've really got to make sure that when we say all are welcome at our table,
2: we we mean it. Like we really mean it. But here's the thing that I'm going to put on the table, and I want everyone to take this champagne. You know, no, this ah. is when we're eating. This is when we're eating. <laughs> so take a Damonico tip, and this is from my pal Whoopi Goldberg. And why I love this because she starred in a film called The Associate, which was at Damonico's, but she also wrote a book called The Unqualified Hostess. I do it my way, so you can too. And Rizzoli published that book in 2019. And what Whoopi and I have in common are to use a knife rest to prevent soiling your linens. And what does that mean when you put a knife rest on the table? It means to your guest, I honor you and I'm taking it one step further. Mm-hmm. And putting one more thing on the table, so that when you're sitting at my table, you notice the details, and that and is you- one thing that to me is the most important thing: is taking the time to notice the details.
0: And Max, not you- only in
2: hospitality, Max, not you- only in serving, but also in being the guest and the host. Jennifer, you were saying?
0: No, I know we've got like ten seconds left, but because so many people forgot about those things, they're out there waiting for you to find them. You can find knife rests and crystal glasses make sure here's my tip find one thing that really delights you the glass that Mm -hmm. feels good in your hand that makes the food or the sip taste better the fork that feels right in your hand paying attention to those details even in one small action or step like choosing the right glass or going Mm -hmm. and finding a a crystal knife rest at a thrift store that, that they're out there waiting for you to discover this. I feel like we're helping people discover, myself included. You're helping me discover again why Sunday Supper is going to become important. You're giving me an assignment. You're sending me out to find the things that are going to delight me and delight my guests. And in so being delighted, we're going to have more satisfaction, pleasure, and and frankly, the whole experience is going to be richer and more delicious and wonderful and Honestly, when they say the more the merrier, this is such a more the merrier kind of moment.
2: Isn't that the truth? Well, here's on that note. We have to take this more the merrier moment away from all of us because it's time to wrap the show on Max and Friends. And we're wrapping our first Sunday supper. And I hope that we're giving you a doggy bag to take home. And when you bring that doggy bag home, are you really eating it? (laughs) And what are you opening to find in that bag? Well, this week I'm going to be opening up some wonderful bags because I'm going to be going to Colorado. So I want you to see me this, what uh, December 9th, I'm going to be um in Wheat Ridge, Colorado, at Mod Mood. December second, I'm going to be at Peppercorn in Boulder, Colorado, and wow, I forgot. No, uh, this whole week, Jennifer. You know, I just I just went right to Colorado mode. I will see you all Tuesday at the Ridgefield Library in Ridgefield, Connecticut, 7 p.m. You have to register for that. We're doing an author talk on the making of the Delmonico Way. And then I will be at the 30th of November at the Colony Club in New York. They're having their um, holiday boutique. And I will also be in the evening at New York, in New York, at the General Society of Mechanics and Tradesmen of the City of New York. And I'll be doing an author talk there. All are welcome at my table. For more information, you can follow at Max Tucci on Instagram, and there you'll see my tour dates and my author engagements, and I welcome you to the table, and I leave this with you. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of the show tonight. Thank you for being a guest at our table. Tonight, Jennifer and English and I set the table for you to have a Sunday supper, and we look forward to setting more tables in the future. We want you to join us. And not only you, but tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend, and have them join our Sunday suppers. And it really is the more the merrier. Together we rise. But I want you to know this. No matter how many are at my table, I see you, I hear you, and you all matter. And that's why you're at my table. I'm your host, Max Tucci from Max and Friends. Before we go, Jennifer English, thank you for being at my table tonight, at our table What an honor.
0: What a privilege. And thank you for inviting me. And thank you to my industry for allowing me to be of service.
2: Yeah. And I echo that. I echo that. And I look forward to teaching the future in this industry the Delmonica way. Until next time, I'm your host, Max Tucci. I'd love to say good night and good karma. But remember to take life to the max. Until next time, I'm Max Tucci. Max and friends.